Hi, ladies. Welcome to Arpini. This is Saratoga Best. We are preparing for Shavuos, and we're preparing for Shabbos Achdus. And one of the things we can say about Shabbos Achdus is, being that the sphera, this, we're beginning now the sphera of Malchus, which has to do with not only the rulership of Hashem, but our own leadership. And actually, the topic of this particular shear is, must I trek through a long, hot desert in order to receive the Torah. In order to find truth, what, is it, what does that mean to receive the Torah? I want to find truth. I really want to know what's behind everything. What is truth? So the question that I have is, must I really trek through this long, hot, dry desert in order to come to truth and be able to receive truth and be able to integrate it? Really? Do I have to? I have to go through that long desert? And the Sikha is going to really answer that question, hopefully. But before that, we want to just look into the week of Malchus that we're starting. Because really it means that after all of these weeks of counting the Eimer, we come to leadership and beginning with leadership in a very feminine way. Chesed of Malchus. Chesed of Malchus, why do we say it's a feminine aspect of leadership? Because the feminine energy in us always looks to kind of reach out and include everybody. The masculine energy will always look to divide and separate. And the feminine energy will always look to include everybody. But it doesn't mean men and women, but everybody has male and female energy in them. So when it comes to Shabbos Achdus, the amazing thing is today is an unbelievable preparation for it. It's chesed of Malchus, it's that feminine energy Leadership, a kind of leadership which, in which a leader makes a leader who makes a leader who makes a leader. I think I said um, a couple of years ago that we were in Montreal and there was Dr. Shimon Wernicker and he spoke on Shabbos and he said from his encounter with the Rebbe, he saw that here he's coming into contact with a leader who creates a leader who creates a leader. Leaders who create who make others into leaders. That's really very much the feminine aspect of leadership. If you want, in your leadership, you want to create other leaders who then create other leaders. And that has to be in a way of, of us all working together because when we work against each other, you know, it's either me or you, the more masculine aspect, then we can only get to a certain, we can get so far. And certainly in this generation, we can only get so far. And then that's it. You get to the top, and what do you do over there? Nothing. It doesn't, not so great at the top, obviously. The top of leadership from a masculine point of view, when you get there, you wondered, seriously, I put all this effort into getting here, and what am I doing? You know, like the guy with the half a million dollars. So is his life better than yours? No. He does what he does with more money. Is his quality of life better? I don't know. So the masculine leadership, I do it at your expense. You do it at my my expense. It's going out of style. And what we're stepping into is the energy of this generation, Shabbos Achtos. The amazing thing about Shabbos Achtos this year is that every single year we would get together in a shul, and the rub would say a drasha, and elevate, you know, inspire those who came to that shul to hear the drasha. 
How many people can be in any particular shul? And yet this year, the Shabbos Achdus is a real Shabbos Achdus. You have Yidden all over the world, all doing Shabbos Achdus together, each one in their place. It's an Achdus of, in a sense, millions. It's an unbelievable Achdus. That as one person, we are opposite the Har. The Har really is, in a way, the mountain, the more masculine energy as well. You know, of like, you know, wait a minute, notice who I am. Again, it's not bad, it's just more masculine. And feminine is, let's all be together. And give to each other. Let's all, you know, participate in one potluck dinner. Shabbos Achdus. So with all of that in mind, the question is, do I have to trek through a long, hot desert to come to truth? And that we're seeing from what we just said, that the ultimate truth in this generation is a, is a feminine truth, which is why in the cave to Saviv Gever, the feminine aspect will rise higher than the masculine, because it's a Geula truth. It's, the other kind of truth worked very well in former generations. Now we step into the Geula truth, and what worked then does not work now, etc. So the long trek through this hot desert to truth is because it takes a lot to step into that feminine kind of leadership, where my leadership is simply about making you into leader, a leader, making us all leaders together. Okay. So if that's the case, let's look into the Sicha. We're looking into Eif Yud of the Sicha of Erev Shavuot of 1991. So now we understand what Shabbos Parshas Bamidbar is, essentially. Because we're talking about... One second... Okay, so we're talking about receiving of the Torah. In the beginning of the Sikha was really speaking about the idea of finding peace in the eye of the storm. So here the Sikha is saying, Matan Torah was given in a desert, in a midbar. And that's not a coincidence. We get it, we understand the idea of the Torah was given on a mountain, right? But a humble mountain, right? Torah is about humility, Torah is about, about exalted knowledge and understanding of God, of wisdom, divine wisdom. And you have to have tremendous respect and awe for divine wisdom. You know, you kind of look up and gaze upward, sort of toward, like, at the peak of the mountain to gaze at that awesome wisdom. But it requires, a, it requires humility and even humility on the part of the wisdom. So we understand. Everybody knows, every little child knows about the Dvar Torah. Torah was given on a mountain, but a, hum- a small mountain, a humble mountain. But why in a desert? Why do I have to trek through this long desert to come to truth? So it's not coincidence, but it's by divine providence, Ashkach And just like everything in the world, everything's by divine providence. Because the truth is, Matan Torah has everything to do with a desert, with a midbar. The whole energy has to do with it. And one of the, the reasons, one of the explanations is 
that in the world, we said a couple of days ago, world, in the world, excuse me one sec, Okay, so we're saying that um, in the world, the, there's no peace. The world is a place, chaser menucha. There's no peace. Because we said before, world by definition, the definition of the world means a place of time and space. And time and space are always changing. And therefore, there is no peace. There is no peace in the world. By definition, if you're in the world, you cannot have peace. You're always under the jurisdiction of time. It's moving forward very incredibly fast, fast, exponentially fast. And space is moving. And not only are we moving targets, but the world is a moving target. The world encourages you to be a moving target. And that's, I think, why we said, you know, somebody can call you up somebody once did they you know they said could you bring me this and I said well aren't you in Florida and they said I'm actually upstairs in your house (laughs) okay how did you manage to slip into my house (laughs) right how is that possible you're in my house how would I know where you are we don't when somebody calls you you really don't know if they're um, if they have a good phone plan let's say they only call you on WhatsApp. Today, people down the block call you on WhatsApp. I don't know why. So, so let's say your friend calls you on WhatsApp and um, she's speaking about the weather, let's say, something like that. And you're saying, well, you know, it's really, uh, it's really cold out today. She said, no, it's not. And you said, well, where are you? She said, well, I'm in Australia. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing in Australia, right? What, what, what's going on here? So um, that's because everybody's a moving target. You just know, never know from second to second where anybody's going to be. So in this place, in this world where there's no peace and it's designed to be a completely unpeaceful place, we need to have peace. And Torah is all about peace. So... And when you take a desert, a midbar, that's about, in a sense, the most unpeaceful place of all. Why? Because the world is not peaceful because there's, it's called heder ha-menucha v'yashvach. There's no menucha, there's no peace, and there's no sense of being settled. Sense of being settled, oh, absolutely especially in these weeks and these months, now that the world is going through this massive transition, one of the things that's really, if we felt, if we even had any semblance of feeling settled before, that one's completely gone. With, for the very, on the very simplest level, nobody knows what they're doing during the summer. Nobody knows what will be open, what will be closed. Nobody knows what they're doing after the summer. What will be functioning? What will not be functioning? No one knows. Well, does this affect that? Does that affect this? Ask the doctors. They don't know. No one knows anything. That doesn't give a really great sense of being settled. We want to feel settled. I know what's going on. I'm good. This is it. I have it all. You know, I have it all, uh, what's the word, nailed down. I know who I am, what I am, where I'm going, and now I can get to work. 
The world is a place where you can't do that. The world is a moving target kind of a place. Within the world, there are different places in the world. There's a city, there's a village, there's a field, there's a desert, there's all kinds. You know, a village, what could you say about a village? A village is a place of simplicity. The villagers tend to be the old-time villager, very simple, very tmimistic kind of people that, you know, it's a big thing if they hear that the king is going to be passing through town, they spend a year whitewashing all the homes so that it should be be fitting for the king to drive in his carriage through their town. Because it's very exciting. The king is coming to town and everybody's in awe. So a village is a place, represents an energy where sort of an awe of greatness. We know that we're small and we know that they're great and we're in awe of the greatness. The city is a place where people are pretty jaded. You know, did you know that the king's coming next to you, you know, to town? Yeah, all right, fine. Let me, send me a text and send, Send me a text message that morning. Maybe I'll kind of walk out on the street and watch his car, the, you know, the processions of cars, if it happens to pass by my house. If I'm not busy, I'll, I'll... It's a more jaded place. Been there, done that. That's the city. You know, the sophisticated... It's, 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 it's very in to be the city, slick, sophisticated, cynical kind of person. Been there, done that. Nothing new under the sun. That's the city energy a little bit. The field is also a different kind of energy, the sada. At least it's a place of growth. And, and the desert, what's, it, what's the energy of a desert? This desert that we're saying, oh boy, must I walk through a long, hot desert to come to truth, to come to Matantara? What's the desert? What is its energy? Energy is layashav adam sham. Nobody is settled there. Nobody lives there. Layashav Adam Sham. No man sat there. Can't really sit down. You have to keep on moving. If you live in the desert, you are a nomad. Not no man. N-O-M-A-D. You're a Bedouin. You're nomadic. The only people who... People may camp out in the desert. They may do tourist stuff in the desert. Nobody actually lives in a desert. Oh, they may create an, an oasis and they may put up a hotel in a desert, but then they're no longer in the desert. They're in a hotel that happens to be on desert territory. They're not in the desert. If you're in the desert the real way, on the conditions of the desert, you're living in a tent and you have a nomadic lifestyle. That's what we did when we were in the desert for 40 years. We did not build buildings. We, we traveled in the desert. We lived in tents, which meant we were always on the move, moving targets. And when we were in the desert for 40 years, we never knew from minute to minute what was going to be. We just never knew. Are we staying here for 19 years? Or overnight. We, were, we just knew the cloud of glory stood up. We traveled. It, it was um, horizontal. It lay down. We stopped. We camped. We set up tent. How long are we staying? 
no way to know. When the cloud goes up, we know we leave. So some places, we stayed overnight. The next morning, the cloud went up. Okay, guys, close up your tents, pack, pack up your stuff, we're moving. And there are other places we came to. There was one place we came to. The cloud went down, cloud of glory. We stayed there, we camped, we camped, we waited, we waited. 19 years we stayed there. So that's really a sense of, you know, the pandemic. <laughs> you just don't know. How long is it going to last? You know, the same energy as in the desert, you know. Maybe 19 years, God forbid. Maybe overnight. Nobody knows. Very unusual kind of energy. So it's a very unsettled place. Layashav Adam Sham, a nomadic life. Be ready to be on the move at any given moment, as per instruction. And as it says, either as an Adam is Makamanit in a midbar. If you're a person, your place is not in a desert. And for sure, your place is not your settled place, is not in a desert. So once a year you may go camping in the Judean desert. You get all your gear together. You know, you got your $5,000 worth of camping gear. So it's a little bit not quite the authentic experience. You know, and <laughs> you know, and your video camera and all, etc. And your GPS and all that. I mean, so this is not really the real desert experience. But you know, it's like playing. But you go there for a camping trip. You're not settled there. That's the whole thing about this desert energy. You're not settled. And so our question is, oh boy, is that what I have to go through through a long, hot desert to get to the Torah, to get the truth? Because that's what happened to us. It took a whole year. We left Egypt. We left Mitzrayim. And a year later, or was it a year later? Or maybe it was seven weeks later. I don't remember how the counting goes. Two, four, four, eight. Oh, maybe it was right away. Okay, so seven weeks later, boom. Right. Seven weeks later, 49 days later. There we go. Okay. And then to bring it into a settled lifestyle was another 40 years. So there's coming to truth, and you're sort of at the at the foot of the mountain and you perceive truth. You come into contact with it. And then to internalize it, meaning now take it and bring it into a real lifestyle, go into the land of Israel and live this stuff in everyday life, not in a miraculous way, that's 40 years. That's a long, hard trek. Long, long, long trek. So, Here's the question. What is the piece that's missing? You know, what is Hashem, what does God have in mind? What's the piece that's missing? You know, what, just to torture us? What, we need boot, tra- boot camp training? What, what did certain people know in that journey in the desert for 40 years? Some people knew it and some people didn't. <coughs> Some people just felt like, oh my goodness, I cannot take not knowing. Are we staying overnight in this place or are we going to be here for 19 years? 
We've gone through both. Just, I, I can't anymore. Just want to know. I want to feel safe. I want to feel settled. Hi there. Welcome to the desert. In the desert, you can't be settled. Now I need to feel settled. They say, well, here's the way it goes. Actually, the desert can be the most settled place. These 40 years that we're wandering in the desert in the Midbar, we will be able to look back on them and say these were the best years of all of Jewish history if we do the following. Okay, what's the following? I'm ready. I'm listening. What is the following thing that we can do? In these moments, in these 40 years of uncertainty, or in our case, in these weeks of uncertainty while we're still in this pandemic, I just read a, a WhatsApp post that said, um, get used to C19 because, you know, maybe it'll be overnight and maybe <laughs> 19, you know, something like that. And therefore, <clears throat> this is how you wash your hands and this is. So what, what did the people who did well in this uncertain journey, what did they know? They knew that the kind of manucha, the kind of peace, the kind of feeling settled that we were addicted to ain't going to work on Saturday. It's not going to work anymore. It's the lower level of manucha. I need to know. If I'm not in charge, it's all going to fall apart. The higher level of manucha was, and the people who did well in those 40 years in the desert, were the people who said, ah, I never felt so safe in my life. I don't have to do anything. God's running the show. He's got my back. It's being done perfectly. I can sit back and relax and go with the journey. Not a simple thing to do. But it, but they tuned into something higher. The same thing with the mun, the food that we ate in the Midbar. Two kinds of people. It was very spiritual food. So it was capable of elevating you to a very high consciousness. But... The people who are still addicted to, you know, I'm used to going to the refrigerator, opening the refrigerator, saying, what's there to eat? I'm so bored. What is there to eat? That was really hard for them. They weren't, they, you know, they weren't that inspired by an elevated spiritual consciousness. They just wanted to have the satisfaction of looking in the refrigerator and seeing what there is to eat and feeling all the choices and feeling safe based on having a full refrigerator even if they didn't eat it. I'm safe. I know I'm stocked. My shelves are stocked. I've got enough cream cheese and bagels in the freezer and locks to last me forever. You know, so we're good. Those people had a really hard time with the man, with the manna. You take your spiritual consciousness. I want to know I'm safe, that I have enough food. The other people who said, wow, the taste of this food is unbelievable. I feel my elevation when I'm eating it. I feel the consciousness raising that's happening in me. I feel the shift emotionally and spiritually and in all other ways through eating it. 
It's a lot more delicious than than the bagels and lox and cream cheese or the cheesecake that I have in my freezer. Because after a while, how much cheesecake can I eat? How many how many bagels with lox and cream cheese can I eat before I'm like, okay, so what's next? I'm losing my taste for that kind of security. I want the real thing. I want to feel that God is taking me, Hashem is taking me on an, from, from level to level to level. And I feel it happening through the month. I'm, I'm going for the bigger S security, the bigger M manucha, not the smaller one. Not the small piece and the small security and the small safety. But the big, the big security and the big peace and the big menuchas and that big menucha, that's what I want. The one of knowing that God is running the whole show and I am safe. That level of safety and peace took people to unbelievable places. Where did they experience it? We, in the Midbar. In the desert. What's Matantaira about? Same thing. Not the small safety, not the small manucha, but the big safety and the big manucha, the big bigger level. And so now we understand in order to appreciate what Matantaira is all about, which is what is the achievement of Mantar? Hamshacha of Manucha, even in a place which is the opposite of Manucha. Matantaira is about bringing Manucha into a place which seems like the opposite of Manucha. And bringing Manucha into a place which seems totally unsettled. A place where you can't be settled. Bring Manucha there. In other words, Taira brings us an ability to experience peace and, and comfort and, and safety in the craziest moments of life, you know, just I, I, that when you just can't feel settled and you aren't settled and you're just on one foot, that's where Torah does its best work. That's where it really shows its magic. In taking us through that doorway into a place where we feel Hashem's safe protection. In a place where Layashav Adam, where a man cannot be settled, interesting. Layashav Adam Sham, a man cannot be settled. The interesting thing is, a man cannot be settled there. Even though here man means generic, a person. But the interesting wording of it, a man, the masculine energy in us cannot feel settled, cannot feel safe in that situation where, you know, well, I have to rely on God. Like, from the masculine part in me, I need to know what's going on and I need, to, I need to control it. Me. The masculine part in me. And the feminine part in me is like Shabbos Achtos. The masculine part in me and says, Shabbos Achtos, like, come on, it's me or you, please. You know, who's going to talk, you or me? Who's going to run things? Me or you? Who's the boss over here? Me or you? That's the masculine energy in each of us. 
and the feminine that that's the competitive business world and the feminine part in each of us is the collaborative business world the collaborative relationship the achtos shabbos achtos let's all do this together let's get together all around the world and we'll all be doing doing it all together and create this incredible achtos on the shabbos just before modern Torah. It's all about collaborating together and creating something that's bigger than we each could individually do. To understand that and wrap your head around it, you have to tune into the feminine instinct in you. The chesed shebemalchus, the kind of leadership instinct in us that wants that 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 empowers us to just want to reach out to others. A leader who makes a leader who makes a leader. The leadership instinct in us that makes us want to just help others become leaders as well. It's no fun from a feminine point of view to lead unless everybody's leading together. It's no fun from a masculine point of view to do it if everybody else is doing it. So today is a uniquely feminine day. Let's all do this together. You know, chesed reaching out in our leadership. So back to what it says here in the Sikha, that um, through this, when we do this, when Torah is brought, when Torah is given in a desert, and that higher level of Manucha is called upon, it affects the whole world. It brings Manucha to the entire world. It upgrades the world's striving from competition to collaboration by us receiving the Torah in a desert in that place where we need to let God run things rather than us and that's also emphasized in the beginning of Parshas Bamidbar where it speaks about counting B'nai Yisrael where in the desert in Midbar Sinai why counting we had to come to the desert and then be counted. Because counting is connected with Kviyas and Hisyashvas. You have to sit, okay, everybody sit down and we're going to count you all. And, you know, sit in your places because if everybody's running around, you can't remember, did I count you, did I not? Where, you were sitting over there? Where? Okay, everybody sit down, we have to count how many people are here. Because if everybody's moving, you can count the same person six times. You're, the count is going to be thrown off. Okay, everybody, sit down. All right, raise your hand. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Counting has to do with being in a certain place, sitting down, and you're in your determined place. And a dover should be minion ain't a bottle. And something that's counted is never bottle. And especially when we're talking about counting the B'nai Yisrael, why? Why did Hashem, why did God count us? Because of his love for us. Every single hour he counts us. So Parshas Midbar is all about he's counting us. And it gives us, when he counts us, because he loves us, it makes us settled, which gives us a sense of peace. So there's a whole other way of me knowing, of me feeling settled. One way is, the lower way is, I need to control everything. 
And I do like to control everything. I want to know what's happening. I feel settled. I feel peaceful. I feel safe. There's a whole other way. If I know that I am ultimately loved by Hashem, by God, every hour he's counting me, that gives me a bigger sense of peace. And it adds in kvias and menucha, in, in, in being settled and being peaceful. And dafka, specifically, this happened in the Midbar. In a place in a desert, layashav adam sham, in a place where a man cannot really live, sit, or be settled. It means bringing Manucha down into a place which is the opposite of his yashvas, the opposite of a settled place. And we can say that the same thing is the counting of Meiser Behema, Mahabdil. When animals are counted, what would happen is, and the mitzvah is, and the halacha is, there's a little opening in the fence, and then the, the animals have to file through the fence. What, single file, one by one. You count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the tenth gets a mark. Let's say there's a stick with some red paint. The tenth gets a, you know, has a, a, a little mark of color put on him. So you know which one, Assyria Kaidish, the tenth one is holy. The tenth one is set aside for Miser. When do you, we're determining, we're, 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 we're creating a situation where within this counting of all these animals, every tenth one is holy, which really makes them all holy. The ten energy in all of these is an energy of holiness. Holiness means you're chosen. Chosen means you're loved. Loved means you're safe. Safe means you're peaceful. Where? In the desert. What is it with the animals? They, um, the animals are not counted when they're moving, or, um, when they're actually in one place. They're not, you know, okay, it's not, okay, there are all the animals and they're all, glued to their grass and they're all eating grass and so we count them then when they're busy when they're not moving nope we count the animals and determine which one is the miser which one is the holy one they're by give, making them all holy therefore safe they're etc when they're moving they're going out of the stall the, the pen where they are so we come to the tenth the tenth will be holy. And this, the tenth will be holy, is the completion of Menucha and Yashos, of peace and settled. Okay. Oops. So, so, to sum it all up, what we're saying is the question, the answer to the question of why must, must I go through a long, hot desert in order to come to truth, in order to come to Matan Torah, and especially in this week, in this year as we're preparing for Matan Torah. So why have we had to go through two months of quarantine and all of this and 
not knowing and still not knowing what's going to be, how's it going to go, etc. This desert kind of energy, you know, are you staying here overnight or is it for 19 years? So why is it necessary? And you could say that why the Torah has to be given in the Midbar is, as we said, one, that even in such a place where you can't be settled, it will bring it bring down that settled energy. Number one. Number two, that's specifically where you want to put the settled energy. You want to tune into that level in which you can feel safe and settled in any situation. And Torah makes it possible for us to experience that. And it's specifically in that place. I guess if you can feel safe in, in, in a place where there's total uncertainty, then you know you can be safe anywhere. And how do you get that safety? By knowing that Hashem, God, is running the world. He's running my life perfectly. Nothing is random. So that idea of the counting, counting of the animals, will have the counting of the hidden, not, means there's no random. You have your place. You have your number. Everything is exact. Nothing is random. That, all of that, Parshas Bemidbar is all bringing out that sense that there is not, everything is to the detail. Which bird will chirp when, where, how, who. Everything that is exactly synced up to be in a certain way so that we experience ultimate manucha, ultimate peace. And as we said at the very beginning of the Sikha, at the beginning of the week, that if not for this, if we live in a world, if we live in a world where we don't have a sense of what we're doing here and we don't tune into that ultimate sense of safety and security, then what happens? We feel like we are more than flying, being torn apart, God forbid. And therefore, what we want to do is every activity that pulls us back together, every unity activity, starting with unity with each other, Shabbos Achtos, and unity with ourselves, pulling our ten kaisas and nefesh together. And, and, and all of those unities, that, that all comes together to create a sense of peace, including the fact that we've been sitting in a place of unity, uh, the Roshosa Yachud, the, person, the private domain, rather than out on the street for two months. And that all filled us with the ability to experience unity in an upgraded way in ourselves and to become, when once we go out onto the street, beacons of unity in a desert. So, so far we have upgraded to the fact that we, we are this beacon of unity from these two months of quarantining. And now we will go out and infect the whole street with a sense of unity. Infect the desert. We don't have to find an actual desert with sand. The street is enough of the desert. We will go out to that world very soon in the next few days, weeks, and we're going to infect that desert with a sense of unity, of peace, of manucha, of isyashva, of being settled. And from that, settle the entire world and make it a place where the unity of Hashem is visible and palpable to everybody. And we'll find ourselves in the third base of Migdash immediately now.